I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtzcast. Cole Petum here as always, and we're going to try to do our very best to make sense of Crystal Palace 3, Aston Villa 2, probably one of the worst second half performances of the season for Villa, gave the way, gave the game away completely, I should say. Um, yeah, I mean, really, what more can be said than that? Of course, Danny Raza is here with me as well as Tom Nightingale, who you'll hear more from throughout the coming I guess next season, I guess you could say with only two games left. So we'll try to get him on um, at some point in the summer as well, if at all possible, but nonetheless, I'll come to Danny first. How's it going, my friend? I understand you just woke up from a brief nap. <laughs> uh, actually, I just took a little bit of a Sunday nap, but uh seems like so did the team for about 45 minutes uh, during that game. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was not pretty viewing, but uh, we move on, I guess just, I suppose, it's the same sort of message that seems to be kind of reiterating every week on the podcast now where it's like the summer can't come soon enough. Um, and I really just can't, you know, wait to see what, what kind of the next plan is because it seems like we've been on pause literally since January. Yeah, and I mean, you have been saying this for a while, Danny. So in wrestling terms, just to give you a little bit of a, a joy in your mind to make it worth you showing up, I'll give you a little bit of wrestling terms. Danny is now the Sunday more or afternoon, morning, night, whenever you're listening to this, Messiah. So he'll understand what I'm saying there. And he's smiling at me when I said that. So I'm glad he understood Seth that. Rollins reference that way. Yeah. So that, that's that's made it all worth the while for Danny to show up <laughs> for this at least. But anyways, let's go over to Tom. Tom, how's it going? You're in Canada as well. This is an early one for us, but nonetheless, it's just good to get out of the way, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's one of the, it was one of those when it makes you wish you'd stayed in bed. Um, but yeah, I mean, Danny's right. It, it looked look the same from the team's point of view. They think they were uh, they were half asleep. I mean, it's it's just it's frustrating, isn't it? We're just tailing off so badly. Um, set ourselves up for such an exciting season and such positives. And obviously, like if you take the big picture, then. There are still plenty of positives to be taken, but it, you can't help but feel pretty disheartened the way that it's sort of slipping away from us. Like, summer can't come soon enough indeed. Yeah, and I think, I can't remember who tweeted it out, but I saw someone on Twitter like five or ten minutes ago kind of shared all the games where we've either blown a lead or should have done better. And of course, you can probably think of the Burnley game, um, the Southampton loss that we just absolutely fell apart and then left it too late on the comeback and I mean there's a few more of those for instance and they're just not coming to my mind but that just falls into this category two blown leads and to be fair we should have been well and clear within the first 20 minutes arguably but once again it's almost old school villa just to be wasteful and then when you score to just be lackadaisical and just relax too much to the point of oh crap now we're behind or we're level we're at risk of conceding again and I don't know at this point I, I don't want to reiterate too much that we've already said because we can always make this into a, a podcast where we go you know what we're safe we're positive yada 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 but it's just an annoying loss and 
at the end of the day, if we want to get to the next level, we have to be putting away games like this. And hopefully this summer is a good one because once again, the depth isn't there. And I think we're just missing players in key areas that aren't going to make the difference for us if we want to push on. But anyways, Danny, I'll, I'll come back to you. I mean, let's start with our defensive core there. Of course, Mings misses out. Cash misses out it's a big loss at the back. I know it's nice to see Elmo probably in probably arguably his last few games for us. It's nice to see Courtney Hawes come in as well, but are we missing Mings, would you say, or is it just one of those games where we're just lacking focus at the back? I'm going to, I'm going to say this first and foremost, just to kind of set set out, you know, my thoughts for the rest of the game in terms of the rest of the podcast. Um, We did not lose from poor defending today. It was not the defense's fault that Villa lost. Um, I'm going to say that first and foremost. Courtney Hawes, he needs to be playing more games. You'd have to say, like, when I look at Villa's defence, you look at Villa's team um, in terms of backup options, you look at sort of the squad. If you're not in Dean Smith starting 11, then, you know, the number of minutes that you get throughout the season is simply not enough for a Premier League footballer. Courtney Hawes is third, is third choice at Villa. We haven't even seen Bjorn Engels all season. I mean... I don't know what that's all about, first and foremost. But, like, um, Courtney Hawes needs to be playing games. And if he's going to, you know, get the odd run out against Crystal Palace, that's okay, right? I haven't got a problem with that whatsoever. So, um, it was good to see Courtney Hawes in the team. I think he was probably the better defender out of him and Konza today, if we're being completely honest. Um, and in terms of El Mohamedy, look, uh, I, I've always felt that Freddie Gilbert should be the second choice right back. Um, but, you know, Al Mohamedy is what we've got. Do I think he was terrible? No. Uh, do I think he could have done a little bit better today? Probably. But I think generally he's been okay when he's popped in. So I, I don't think the two defensive changes really concerned me too much, especially considering the fact that actually, when you look at Matty Cash's performances over the last few weeks, not been brilliant. So, uh yeah, that's where I stand on that. I, I don't think it's the defense that lost Villa the game. It was a jaded midfield. Yeah, no, that's that's more than fair. And Tom, I'll come to you. Let's let's get right into the midfield. I mean, we've been saying it for weeks now on this podcast, and I know everyone else has been saying it on social media and wherever, probably to their friends, colleagues, family, whoever. We just don't have a defensive midfielder. And as much as I love Dougie Louise, he needs to be up higher the pit or higher up the pitch. If I can get that out of my mouth correctly, it's just. It's frustrating, isn't it? I mean, it is, yeah. Like and like you said, we had this. We we were saying this on Thursday, weren't we, after Everton? But Louise, like, there's a lot that's good about his game, obviously. Like, you know, just starts with Brazil. You can't really argue with that. And he does a lot well. But one thing he is not is the the midfield enforcer who you can rely on to do all of the heavy lifting defensively. He just isn't it for me? He's not going to be it. I don't think we should be trying to make him that. Um, so, I mean, I think it's pretty glaringly obvious that we need somebody um, whose pretty much only job is to break up play. And it's the kind of thing that we've seen a bit of marvellous Nakamba this year. And while I think the jury is still out on whether he is good enough to help take us to where we want to go as a club, uh, it's he has some of those attributes that I think we need in a, in a defence midfielder. I'm not necessarily saying he's the answer, but somebody of that ilk who just gets stuck in and does the, you know, does the dirty work, really. I, I think we, the, the best we've seen of Louise has been when he's been pushing forward. I thought McGinn, again, uh, I, was, I was sort of singing his praises on Thursday. I think he was 
pretty good again. Uh, you know, I, I do think he's come back. Uh, he's come back up a, a long way because he, he did have a pretty pronounced dip earlier in the season. Um, excellent goal, but I mean, we just we never had control of that game at all, and it's so frustrating. We should have been maybe three up. Um, Hawes missed that good header. Um, there were a couple of others I can't remember. Sort of blanking it from my mind already. I think, um, but we just never had control. Went one nil up. Sat back. Just. It wasn't even necessarily just sitting back. It was just, we can't, we're not very good at grabbing games by the scruff of the neck. And then you think once we get pegged back at 1-1 and then we, you know, what was it, three minutes later, go back in the lead. You think, okay, maybe now this time we'll learn the lesson and we'll keep control of the game. Nope. Fall back again. Let it slip again. Um, You know, I don't want to be too critical, but it's it's frustrating, isn't it? Like Oh, massively. um, Yeah. Yeah, it's... See, I, I look at it, and when I look at the midfield, it's evident that, obviously, like we said, we need we need a defensive midfielder. I love John McGinn for about 75 minutes, and then he's just – you can tell because he has, like, little T-Rex arms when he's gassed, and he really doesn't move that far at all after that point. And that's, like, his, like, sign that he's absolutely dead to me. So he gasses out, and, it, and then you look at the bench, and you think, okay, Nakamba, but – we know Barkley's not going to be able to do a job to hold on to a lead or even get a draw. We know that at least he, the, the man, unfortunately when he headers things away, doesn't really seem to be too clear of where it's going, especially. And then you look at Jacob Ramsey and I'm not going to give him any, any kind of I don't know, crap, I guess you could say, but it, it, it's a little frustrating when you see people, especially on social media and they're calling for some of the youth to play some of the youngsters to play but then they're going to give Jacob Ramsey, who's what, 19 crap. And it's just like, well, you can't have it both ways because it's so you want to ruin the youth setup potentially for things they're not ready for when you already have a youth product in the team that needs game time. Danny, what do you make of all that? Because I know we spoke before, obviously during the game and a little bit, I think maybe before i can't really remember it was just too early this yeah. morning but you actually were a fan of uh Ramsey i think today. i think he had a good game um i think i think i think i was looking at twitter and seeing a lot of people slating him and i think i think first of all yeah maybe 75th minute 70th minute you know you do look at making a change maybe it isn't bertrand Traore that comes off because let's be honest el ghazi is ineffective on the right hand side uh, maybe it isn't Traore that comes off maybe it's uh maybe you take off ramsey to bring in Grealish through the center um, and that that's okay, you know. It's okay to say that he's going to get subbed off, but I don't think he had a poor game. Like, I think I think he showed a lot more energy than than Barkley. And I think for what it's worth, the the issue with Villa really is the lack of energy. The the issue with 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 Villa and the way we're throwing up, uh, throwing out, uh, throwing away points is is energy. And actually, Ramsey for me was popping up through a lot of the game. He was one of those players who never really did take his foot off the gas. What I like about him is he presses. He does press. And I think that even, you know, when he does have the ball, he's good on the ball, you know, technically, you know, perhaps he hasn't got uh, what it takes to, to beat a few defenders. And But he's not a number 10. He's not a traditional number 10. He's not the guy that you play behind the striker. I kind of see him as a like-for-like replacement for Conor Haurahan almost. Um, but, you know, his passing's good. You know, he doesn't he doesn't misplace the ball and he doesn't lose the ball very uh, very often. And I think, He's a he's a young player who's coming through. So that's where I stand on that. Um, you know, I think people were frustrated with the midfield. You know, obviously when Grealish came on, what, what was happening was, you know, I saw John McGinn do it. And I think there was probably a couple of other times it happened where 
you know, we're trying to lob the ball over a hundred defenders to, to Jack Grealish when the ball's not even on. Um, and it's it's more so for me the 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 issue was that tactically and strategically we, we weren't really working as a unit as midfield. So I don't think it was that there was any one midfielder that was at fault, but just whatever strategy we were throwing out at the end was just silly, you know. Yeah, guys, should we get into? I I'm, we're not getting into Dean Smith out chat, but should we get into Dean Smith chat? Because I, I don't want to blame him for everything but at some point i mean you got to make changes somewhere in terms of the tactics or something it just seems like and that danny i think you messaged me about this in the group chat or maybe personally um on whatsapp was he's being i can't remember how'd you phrase it reactionary versus something i can't remember exactly i think it's an issue i think uh, i worry about managers and this is okay. So I'm I'm not I'm not framing this as, as Dean Smith out. No, not at all. What I'm saying yeah. is there 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 is there are fans who have been Dean Smith out for a little while, and this kind of performance it adds to their justification of it, and it adds to the conversation of whether or not Dean Smith can actually take Villa for, further forward. Um, for me, I'm not a supporter of that yet. Just saying, but <laughs> you know, I worry when a manager becomes reactive uh, reactive rather than proactive. Yeah. I.e. Dean Smith isn't approaching games and thinking this is how we're going to outsmart them. It's, oh no, we're 2-1 down. I'll have to throw in a couple of strikers now. It's not, what can I do to prevent us losing the lead? It's not, what can I do to, to get us, you know, 2-0 up, 3-0 up? It's, um, right, we're 1-0 up now. That's cool. Let's see how it goes. That's how it feels, right? Yeah. As, opposed yeah. To, yeah. As, as opposed to, you know, let's consolidate which is what Man City, for example, are very, very, very good at, and which is also what Leeds United are very good at. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you explained that for me because I, I was stumbling to remember exactly the phrase you put it, and you put it better than I would have ever explained it. It's just people will, and as someone on Twitter was trying to argue with me earlier, and I won't name anybody, obviously, but they're trying to say Dean Smith out. I asked them essentially, who would you get? And then they try to go in a different argument, a whole different way to make me look like I'm stupid. But anyways, that that is Twitter in a nutshell for you. But anyways, it's just, it, it's frustrating us to see, I guess the thing I'm trying to get at guys is we're kind of sitting on our laurels. We're sitting there for the taking essentially. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can look at the bench and say, well, he could have made a change here or that wouldn't have mattered. It's, it's about being in my mind proactive, like, you could see this coming in like the 60th minute. Yeah, you could see that. it. You could see Traorbe struggling in the 50th minute. It's and Danny actually, I think you pointed that out midway through the game, or maybe Simon did in our chat as well. I can't remember, but it's just a, about being proactive in those moments. And sometimes I wonder if there's almost too much faith in that one set eleven. And that can be a dangerous road sometimes because you've seen teams in almost every sport where managers, coaches, whoever have a set lineup, certain players that they're, that's their guy, that's their person. And that can be a very good tool for success at points, but at other points, it can also be something for failure at one point when you're not willing to change things up. And I guess like next season is going to be the tell all for this coaching staff and Dean Smith. We all know that we know that there's going to be more investment. It's been put out there. Obviously we don't know who it's going to be in terms of uh, playing personnel, but 
next season for a lot of things, probably for Jack Grealish's future at the club beyond next season, it's probably going to be a major make or break for a lot of things. So, and, and to be fair, in a more, I don't know if it's humorous, but in an annoying way, and I was saying this to Tom pre-recording, uh, it's almost a little bit scary and a little bit funny in the sense that now we're going to have to put more expectation on Villa because we know expectation and Villa don't always kind of go hand in hand. And I mean, you two, being Tom and Danny, would probably know about that more than me in the long term, or I guess in the past history, I should say, but... It is what it is for that. But uh, should we talk about Jack Grealish, guys? I mean, a, a quick 25-minute or so cameo. Tom, do you think maybe – of course, we're still managing minutes, but do you think maybe mm. we could have brought him on a little bit earlier? I don't know. You know, I, I think he got about the amount of time that I was expecting him to get today, really. I, I think there's – the thing is with, with, with Grealish, I think there's a few issues at play because obviously, like, I think for – Grealish himself, certainly. And then also, I think for Smith and for the coaching staff there, there is, given that we're at the sort of dead rubber stage of our season, I think there is at least one eye on the Euros um, from a Grealish point of view. So I think, to me, honestly, today, I thought he was a lot better when he came on against Everton than he was today. But again, I, I think the point that Danny made earlier is very is very valid because I was thinking the same thing. Like we were trying to Kind of hook these long balls out to Grealish when you can just you can get to him in two or three short passes instead, and by doing it that way, you work the space better for him. Like I get that we we want to get the ball to him because uh, he's the guy who makes things happen, but there's there's a time and a place for it. But I mean, it, it is clear like we're still managing his minutes. I'm not. I really considering it's been shins and it's been what's it been three months. Um, is that he's not fully fit for me? I think they're they're trying to make sure that he uh, goes to the Euros and Southgate's squad, which he should do if he's fit. You know, I don't think that's a, I don't really think that's a debatable point. I think that's pretty clear. But um, so for me, not bring, not, you know, uh, bringing him on earlier, I'm not sure the way we played once we brought him on. I'm not sure that bringing him on any earlier would have had much bearing on the result today, to be honest. Um, yeah. But I mean, I, I think going forward, hopefully, he does. He's in a position where he can play a bit more against against uh, Spurs and against Chelsea. But I, I think the Grealish that we saw earlier this season, I don't think we're seeing again until all goes to plan until the start of next season. I think that's for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I think we're all kind of embracing, or I'm not embracing, but kind of getting that impact ready for once you would assume he goes to the Euros and then somehow does amazingly and then he'll be linked with everyone under the sun and then we have to deal with that whole mentality too. So I'm very much not looking forward to that um, because it's just as much as we realistically probably know that we probably have at least one more season with him unless something drastic changes in the summer. Um, it should be very interesting to see how he does there and how annoying every other journalist um, and company links him with Manchester United. So that should be very interesting. But anyways, uh, I'm very, very not looking forward to all the United meme accounts going at that too, because that's a constant thing. And especially Arsenal, apparently, too. Apparently, they think they're getting him as well. So That uh, one's funny. That, that, that one's, one's hilarious. Funny. I've oh. seen so many Grealish and Arsenal shirt edits. Yeah. It's like, bro, he's they not will going not to Arsenal. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I, I like the people that... Uh, they come out and try to be ITKs and they try to say they're legit journalists. 
And mm. then we'll say, well, it makes sense for him to go to Arsenal because of X, Y, and Z, because Arsenal are a bigger side. They can pay him more money. Um, they are meant to go to the top. Oh, you haven't been at the top in uh, what, since like 03, 04. So uh, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen again. But anyways, um, it, it's just funny to see him linked with that. If you're going to link him with Arsenal at this point, you might as well link him with Everton or a few other yeah. clubs that are in and around or actually doing better. So it should be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, this if, he summer. Wants, if he wants to London, you know, if he wants London, um, he can go to West Ham, you know, yeah. so <laughs> he can dance with Jay Ling's if they sign him too. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> no, that's the reality. Sorry, Tom. I was just going to say, Neil, not, like, not to be too flippant about it, because I mean, I think it's pretty clear that, Grealish could play at a higher level than he's playing at the moment, but I think there's about as much chance of me playing for Arsenal as there is Grealish. <laughs> I, just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get the uh, delusion is probably the word that I would use that, that they've got this that they'll they've got this pull for him. I, I, it's just crazy to me. The only step that Grealish would make is a huge step. Yeah, that's he, why. he wouldn't. He wouldn't make a little step. You know, if it's. Man City, as much as, right, don't get me started on Man City. It's, it's either Man City, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Juventus. I don't think I could include any other club there. Imagine, oh, right. so, Maybe Liverpool. Imagine him play with Messi, just for a second. A Villa. No, no, no. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, I take that. Oh, well, you never know. <laughs> but, no, but playing, like, seriously, imagine Grealish and Messi playing together at Barcelona. Look, That's just, mental. Just think, of, just think of what has to happen for Grealish to leave. There yeah. needs to be a mega bid, man. Like a huge yeah. bit, yeah. Right, and look as much as I love as much as I love Jack Grealish, and as much as he's probably the best player who's played for Villa over the last few years. Look, he's been injured. Or he's been injured for a large part of this season, and we we haven't really been able to experience what it would be like with him. Um, you know, he's got maybe four years left at his peak. At some point or another, he'll have to go. Yeah. And if and if we get huge money for him and we reinvest it, that is fine. Um, it's not great, but look, you know, the only deal that Villa get is the deal that Villa want at the end yeah. of the day. It comes back. I think it comes back as well to the point we were making earlier about how I think next summer is going to be the big, the big point, right? Because if we obviously there's been incremental progress. Incremental is harsh, actually. There's been pretty clear progress for us over the last three years. Like Smith, I think I saw something on on average. He's taking us up about eight league places uh, each season, something like that. Might not be, as, not be quite as many as that this season. But um, but I think next summer, if we're not sort of at least sniffing around Europa League, if we don't, get in, if we don't sort of get into Europe and do a bit of a West Ham, then I think next season, honestly, I think it would be hard to begrudge Grealish moving as long as like that, like Danny says, it's that sort of quantum leap in terms of his career. Because there's just no point him going to a team. There's no point him going from us in, okay, we're like 11th or 12th now. Let's say next season, hopefully we finish about eighth. There's no point him going from us in eighth to somebody in fifth. Like, always, you know. Yeah, there's no guarantee. And of course, like, even if you're in the top four, there's no guarantee the next season. Um, even if you have, say, one season of him in the Champions League that you're going to get to the next year. I mean, look at Chelsea. They've had a few years that they've just completely fallen out of it for whatever reasons and then eventually gotten back into it. But, I mean, I, I think for a lot of people, and I don't know why we got into such deep, uh, such deep uh, Jack Grealish leaving chat, but anyways, it is what it is with this podcast. We go where we want to. 
it it's probably going to be one of the hardest moves for him personally and that's because of what the club means to him and i don't know the last time you could say that about a villa player leaving to be honest and as as hard as it is is going to be to see him go eventually it's also going to be depending where he goes if it makes sense it's going to be a moment of i think pride for a lot of fans too because mm-hmm. he is one of the local guys he came from there and he's making himself better so yeah not if it's man city call mm. not if it's man city or like you know if it's if it's man city then it kind of doesn't i think there's other clubs as well maybe man city or liverpool if it's a, if it's a uk team you know i don't think fans are going to look at it with massive pride i think fans will be bitter about it and i'm going to i'm going to be i'm going to be completely honest is it surprising at this point though like it just happens to everybody now yeah, but you still got that choice to make, man. Like, yeah. I don't. I, it's not going to be a sad moment for Grealish. It's win-win. If you stay, you stay, and you're a club captain at the club that you love, um, with the fans or whatever. That's brilliant. If you move, you move, right? But you've got to understand you're abandoning that, right? But you do get the pay rise, and you probably would get the success, right? What comes with that is a, maybe a bit of a higher responsibility. You've now got to compete with you know, a higher level of players and everything to get into the team. And, and that's, that's, that's fine. I'm sure we'll beat that out. But look, for him, it's not going to be a hard, it's not going to be a hard moment, man. You've got two great choices right there. And it's, it's, at the end of the day, it's only him that gets to decide where that is, you know, for, perhaps, you know, in contrast, you've got somebody like Wilfred Zaha, who's, you know, perhaps almost stuck at Crystal Palace, but that's not his boyhood club. Like, you know, he maybe should have jumped a couple of years ago and maybe Greenish looks at that and goes, yeah, I need to, do this before I end up like 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 Wilf. I don't know. Then, I think it's gonna be a little emotional career. for him though. Emotional, it's, maybe, but yeah. again, man, it's up to him. Like it's a it's a it's a great situation for him. Yeah. Even better situation for his agent. Yeah. I guess I just don't want him going to United or Arsenal because it's just social media wise, they're the most annoying like fans to deal with, I'll be honest. <laughs> like just oh, I told you he was coming. Yeah, what three years ago? You said the next season. This is three years past. Like, anyways, let's get on to the three word reviews and get back to some kind of schedule here because we have a little bit more to talk about um, besides <laughs> Jack Grealish. Um, anyways, of course, I always go on Twitter post match at seventy five hundred Holt, um, and yeah, ask for your three word summary. So I'll just read out a few now. We'll start with uh, Tony Whiting. Three points lost. David Bladden, bye-bye Smith. A little drastic there, uh, David. Um, another Smith out one. <laughs> okay, this is getting a little ridiculous. Uh, Jay says, I miss Mings. Richard Yates needed subs earlier. Uh, Michael J. Edwards, definitely inept technically. DC, Smith's got to go. Another one. Okay, I'm just finding all the bad ones, apparently. Uh, is that DC says- isn't Daniel Cormier? Uh, <laughs> That's former what I was thinking, too. U- UFC. <laughs> world champion it could be you never know maybe he's a, a closed door villa fan come out if it is dc it would be appreciated <laughs> anyways uh d says subs too late and i'll read out two more uh james says mings is needed and we will end with uh matthew elio sorry if i mispronounced your last name matthew i butcher a lot of last names uh central midfield lost so thank you to like i think there's like over 100 responses so far um of course we missed a lot but we'll try to read out as many as we can of course on the next podcast after the spurs game but guys let's uh let's get our man of the matches 
out of the way and then we'll briefly talk about Spurs on Wednesday because uh, uh, things are coming thick and fast at the end of the season. So, Danny, I'll come to you first. Who was your man of the match? I wasn't prepared for this. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Are you ever? I'm going to be completely honest with you. I wasn't prepared for this. Um, man of the match. I think I'll probably go Anwar. Yeah. I think I think he delivered a couple of dangerous balls in today. And uh, obviously he got the goal. Um, to, I, to be fair, I don't think he was the problem today. Like, I do think he's one of those players that maybe, you know, is... is, is his starting place isn't going to be secure next season, but I think out of out of everybody, perhaps I think he did the most going forward today. So um, I'll probably go with Anwar Ghazi. Fair enough, Tom. How about you? Yeah, I mean it's a tough one, isn't it? If I'm being brutally honest, I think man of the match from a aim wide perspective was Eze for for Palace, but from a Villa point of view, I think I don't know. I'd probably go with Watkins. Um, I know that he didn't get that much joy, uh, you know, in his own individual play. But he, I, like, I was, I was quite pleased with Davis on on Thursday. But it's just blindingly obvious that Watkins has so many extra dimensions uh, as an attacker. His hold up play again, I thought was very good. Um, the assist for El Ghazi's goal was great when all of those Palace defenders were sort of looking looking at the sky trying to work out where the ball was, and Watkins just nipped in and knew exactly what he was doing with that little flick. Um, yeah, I'd probably go with Watkins. And I mean, you think, I think his assist today took him to that's 20 uh, direct goal contributions this season now. I think that's pretty um, good, that. yeah. which is a you know, he can't really argue with that, can you? It's a first Premier League season, especially considering, um, I know it's what ifs, but you know, the amount of times he's hit the woodwork, I think he's hit he alone has hit the woodwork more than a lot of Premier League teams have hit the woodwork this season. A couple of uh couple of questionable disallowed goals as well you know he could he, he could very easily be looking at a 20 goal season you know. you know what with Watkins right it makes me wonder you know look at the goals look at the direct goal contributions and everything how would he work in almost like a Timo Werner role like you know with a with a with another sort of legit striker up there and kind of Watkins almost playing off their shoulder or playing as like a second striker it does make me wonder yeah yeah you get a lot of joy from that bring in Timo come on I don't, I don't think they're pushing him. I know that some people have said, obviously, there's been a lot of talk about Tammy potentially come in. And then one thing I've seen a lot there is pushing Watkins out to the wing, but that's not it for me. Like, I agree. I think mm. as a second striker role, he could be, uh, there could be something there, I think. So, it'd be, it, you know, let me say, coming back to the fact that it's going to be an interesting summer, isn't it? Yeah, 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 sure. 100%, yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Ollie Watkins as well. I, there's no really need to explain it. Tom kind of went over it perfectly. So what's the point of repeating something twice? Uh, guys, we don't have too much long left in this uh, recording session anyway. So we'll just briefly touch on Spurs, of course, because Villa will play them, like I said before, on Wednesday. Um, I think at time of recording, actually, Spurs are winning, unless that's changed and this thing has hasn't been updated um yeah they're up well actually they won 2-0 against Wolves so that leaves them I do believe uh one point off of Liverpool for the Europa League and about five uh back of Chelsea in fourth so they're still in the hunt of getting European football but Tom I'll come right back to you I mean what are you expecting from this game and if you want to be so bold give a score prediction oh put me on the spot I mean it's it's I just today was so disappointing, mainly because Palace, like us, don't really have much to play for. So I was thinking it did have a bit of a on the beach feel, but I mean, hugely disappointing the way that it went. Whereas, like as you say, Spurs have 
very much still have things to play for. Um, they're going to be pretty desperate for a win. Honestly, I, I mean, I can't, I, I can't see a win. You know, maybe if we drastically improve, there's an opportunity to get a point out of it. But realistically, I, I hate to say it, but I think we'll, I think it will be a both teams score situation. But I think we'll lose two, three, one. If I'm being honest, it's okay. I'm kind of expecting the same. But Danny, I'll come to you first. Thoughts and score prediction. No, you know what, right? This is the thing that annoys me about Villa is that they just they 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 almost refuse to to, to like give respect to teams like Palace and and Burnley, and that's why we end up sort of sitting back and just allowing them to kind of get back into games, and that really really does annoy me. But what what is interesting is that a lot of the time against sides like Tottenham, and I know Tottenham is one team we've done poorly against recently, but you know a lot of look you saw it against Everton, you know a lot of. You know, teams against teams like Everton, we, we just step up and for some reason have um, seem to play with a lot more desire. And because of that, I don't think that the Tottenham game is going to be too bad for, for us. Um, if Grealish starts, then even better. Um, probably he's going to be pushing it. I know we talked on the politics of the situation earlier, where it's like Dean Smith's going to know that, that Grealish wants to get in the England team. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, can, I can genuinely see a nil-nil here. Like I can genuinely see a nil-nil. Um, that's going to be dependent on our defense, I guess, and whether Mings is back. Um, yeah, I'll go one-one. I'll go one-one. Oh. Uh, I ju- I just don't think that we're gonna that that would take our foot off the gas as much as we would against Palace, and that is one of my big annoyances that we need to sort out next season. I was kind of hoping you were going to go for uh, nil-nil, Danny, to be honest, because that would mean two things, 50 points, and Emmy Martinez breaking the uh, clean sheet record of Brad Friedel's in the Premier League. So that would have been actually a pretty good Wednesday, to be fair. But uh, um, he'll, concede last ge- he'll, he'll concede last minute Harry Kane. of the last yeah. game of the season. I'm, <laughs> I'm predicting it right now. What's going to happen is we'll be nil-nil against Chelsea, and, and he will concede in the last minute. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put it down right now. Well, the fact that on the last pod, I said Benteke will score against us, and he did. I think that's uh, that that's a given. Um, Harry Kane probably will score. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if Gareth Bale had a worldie too, because this could probably be his swan song kind of moment at uh, Spurs. I don't know if that's their last home game either, so uh, I could be misquoted on that. But anyways... I'm probably going to go, you know what, I'll go 2-1 loss. I just, I can't see it. I feel like we never play that well against Spurs anyways. And it feels like when we do lose, it's to a, a last minute screw up, sorry, uh, angles or um, just ridiculous penalties or something anyways. But I'd play angles, man. I genuinely would. Right? I, I wouldn't. He's probably still I'd, scarred. No, so <laughs> I'd, I'd, pl- I'd, pl- I'd play angles because he hasn't, he hasn't, you know, had a chance all season. And uh yeah give him the chance for vengeance against Tottenham if if we're if we're gonna play like like the season doesn't matter at this point then you know let the let the uh, team sheet reflect that in my opinion so what Danny is saying is Bjorn Angles is gonna score two bullet headers we're gonna win (laughs) 2-1 it's gonna be an 89th minute winner from Bjorn Angles (laughs) happy days (laughs) pretty much no sorry to be brutal about it but I just think at this point you know if the the way that we're performing and the attitude that that we're showing on the pitch maybe now's the game where you say look Wesley starts maybe now's the game where you say you know Barkley's not even in the squad um (laughs) some of the defenders who haven't played all season (laughs) fingers crossed (laughs) um yeah yeah this is this this is where I'm at now because 
I just want it. I just, I just want the last two games to mean something to at least someone. You know, let let there be players out there who who can you know look at that game and go right. This this game means a lot to me, and I think we have players in the squad there that you know deserve chances that um, are being taken, unfortunately, by first team players that aren't really um, aren't really uh, making the most out of them at the moment. Yeah, but anyways, guys, um, we'll wrap it up there anyways. We only have like a little bit left in this call, so we'll leave it at that. Hopefully everyone enjoyed, of course. You can leave a, a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. It's always appreciated. Um, of course, you can find Danny on Twitter at Journal. You can find Tom on Twitter at TD Nightingale. Got that right on the uh, second try. Very, very awesome. happy about that. Uh, you can find me, Cole Pedham, on Twitter at Talk Aston Villa. Tweet the team at 7500 Holt. You can email the podcast, Holtcast at gmail.com. Like I said, we'll leave it there. I'm going to go uh, do some DIY projects for the rest of the day to get my uh, misery done and over with. Hopefully these two fellows have a great rest of their days and you guys have a great Monday, I guess, when you'll hear this. But anyways, and don't forget, uh, live it low. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.